Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and as ever, I wish you a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. And uh, on today's um, episode, I suppose it's, it's, it's a slightly different take on something that we have discussed recently, uh, and more will become apparent um, as we introduce and welcome today's podcast guest. One Industry, One Voice, the coalition of associations and businesses created to champion the entire events industry, has been evolved and rebranded the Power of Events UK. The recently formed uh, collaborative not-for-profit organisation has been built on the back of OIOV, which was launched in July 2020 to represent seven core event industry sectors. So, what's changed? Why has it happened? And to tell us a little bit more about it is today's guest, founder of the organization, Rick Stainton. Rick, welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. Oh, thanks, James. Thanks for having us. Uh, you're very welcome. And uh, hopefully I've sort of maybe given a, a, a teaser there of, of what's happened. Um, and I'm sure you would like to dive straight in and, and tell us in more detail um, what it is, how it's evolved. So maybe we do this chronologically. Do we maybe take a step back, first of all, to July 2020 um, and look at why and how the original organization was created yeah great shout um so good afternoon good morning good evening everybody as james said um so you know back in what well, looking back now which is a bit bizarre and the on the covid hell that we all went through uh, <laughs> as an industry yeah. um there were a lot of um there were a lot of campaigns there was a lot of lobbying of government and media there was a lot of event professionals in survival mode um, and, you know, the associations mostly did, did some great work in championing their, their own sectors, their own, their own members, uh, challenges, issues, and were effectively putting together a lot of campaigns uh, to do so. Hashtags were flying around all over the place. And th there was quite a lot of sort of, you know, noise amongst you know, a lot of professionals um, to potentially do this in a slightly more coordinated, collaborative way. And I think we were just combating... 25, 30 plus years of institutionalized approach to the events industry, which has very much focused quite sort of in an insular way, in a lot of areas on their own sectors and, mm -hmm. and their own operation. Um, and I just felt, and I, I queried to many, many of my peers and competitors and other association heads and industry leaders that I knew and just said, look, do you think there's something in maybe forming some voluntary informal collaborative effectively on Zoom um, yeah. to try and get all these sort of different associations and industry leaders that were championing these different campaigns just to talk to each other, yeah. um, to share, to collaborate, because surely, you know, together we're stronger. And if we coordinated the timing, the messaging, maybe some of the, the data that was flying around that was very sort of contradictory, uh, that might sort of help each individual campaign um, not perhaps trip over each other and, and help each other. And, mm. and I suggested it and I got a 99.9% .9 great idea um, and good luck with trying to get everyone to work together and talk to each other. Um, <laughs> so I then went on sort of a diplomatic crusade, one for a bit of expression. I, I got um, Simon Hughes, chair of the BVP uh, at the time to help me with it very much and, and lead, lead it from a grown-up perspective anyway. Um, and I just got on the phone to uh, and Zoom to effectively thousands, if I'm honest, of people and organizations from sort of June up until very recently, uh, end of 2021. And I'm very happy to say that everyone was brilliant and realized that we're all in the same sort of boat, 
So we had representatives from, I think, all, a lot of, if not all, as many as we could, of the core associations. And before I even did that, I just defined what sectors I felt were part of the events industry. So it, it came down to, and there are still grey lines, but it's the best that I could come up with, seven sectors, which effectively was corporate events and experiential consumer, yep. um, bespoke sport activations, exhibitions, private events and weddings, music, live music, outdoor event sector and festivals, um, sort of third party, uh, third sector and government sector events. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they, uh, you know, very much uh, form part of, um, form part of the coalition. So we got all the main associations sort of adopting that. And, um, you know, it was very, it was very powerful. We, We managed to, through Zoom effectively for almost 18 months, just share what they were doing, when they were doing it, with what sort of data, who they were targeting, whether it's media or government. And it could only be a positive, and it was only meant to be a positive sort of initiative to see if we could all help each other at the time when everyone was in a very strange place. So that was the background. Um, And then really up to and towards the end of last year, a lot of people were sort of saying, well, where's my one strong voice going to go? We did the We Create Experience campaigns to try and get the, every, all the sectors to sort of together in sort of some videos. We got lots of celebs together. You may have seen them on the One Strong Voice. Yeah. UK website. We did a B2B video and a B2C video with a lot of celebs just shouting about the positive impact messaging mm-hmm. for social um, benefit, community benefit, mental health, physical well-being, um, the economy, um, and how much we all wish that live would come back as soon as safely possible to do so yeah. um so when it came to sort of the end of last year we simon and i put our heads together over a, a few drinks and effectively <laughs> realized that we maybe had something here that had some legacy and longevity so again we put together a deck and i reached out to all those amazing hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of organizations and individual supporters who put a few quid in very gratefully and very humbly and very generously to to the we create experiences campaign and supported it through action groups and the task force. And I just presented to them over the first, what, three months of this year, did seminars, online webinars. I went met quite a few people across the four nations, across all the sectors, industry leaders and association heads and said, look, this is a plan. Do we take One Instagram Voice into something new that has a proper governance structure, mm-hmm. a proper organization behind it, you know, actually the listed on company's house, et cetera, with a, with a, with a sort of directorship and a framework? funded and with a clear mandate and mission um and again i put it together and we learned a lot of lessons over the last year 18 months of perhaps the way to do this to not step on anybody's toes and duplicate and create certainly not creating another association no one needs that and just have (laughs) a very simple and clear mandate to support all event professionals across the four nations um fully inclusive and diverse and representative across the seven main sectors um to showcase the power of events effectively and and so we we decided from the feedback that that was a very good idea no one felt that it wasn't needed everyone bought into it and so we set up what four weeks ago three weeks ago now the power of events as a limited company by guarantee so effectively a not-for-profit um and uh yeah we've started to enhance now our press releases to announce that to everybody which is very gratefully you, you guys have picked up absolutely and and they are already out there for people to to, to read about you know that i think but we're recording this for, for context on the 16th of of may 
uh, on a Monday afternoon. Uh, and so obviously we will try and publish this podcast and get it out there as soon as possible. But, you know, there are Amazing. already, you know, this is this isn't by no means an exclusive. We're grateful to talk to you today. But the message is is already out there. I've searched for it this morning and it's already out there on some of the, the, the news websites, um, yeah. which is fantastic. And and I suppose going back going to the genesis of it, this is something that we've actually talked about on this podcast just recently. Um, and have done so over the past 18 months or so about the uh, the shock to the system that the events industry as a whole was given because of the pandemic. And we work in a diverse industry that contains a lot of different vertical markets and industries within industries. And there's no other industry like the one that we term the events industry. I can't think of any sort of comparable industries or marketplaces where there are so many different sectors within a, a sector of its its own. And with that goes the complication that historically the, the sector has had, which is all of these different trade associations representing different elements of the industry. And until that shock to the system came along, which was the COVID pandemic, there had never really been this need and requirement for that joined up thinking to take place. But as you alluded to, you know, it's so important because it, it could look foolish, couldn't it? If you've got different people putting out different messages and contradictory statements and things when ultimately what we were all trying to do during that pan pandemic is is do what you created, which was create one voice. Well, I, I agree with you and I disagree with you. I think it was desperately needed, but we were having a relatively good time, you know, in the, in the, in the sort of eight, 17, 18, 19, you know, 2018, 2019. It was mm. pretty much a, a buoyant market. Mm. And when you're really busy, this perhaps is seen deemed to be, you know, less less prevalent, less yeah. important. People yeah. don't have the time or the resource to to do anything about it. Though, to be fair, um, you know, uh, the likes of the BVP has combined a lot of the sort of the corporate and some of the the, the one or two other sort of outdoor sectors under a sort of a, a, a collaborative. You know, Live was set up quite recently um, to do the music side. Mm. Um, you've got this sort of the EIF doing it on the outdoor side. So there were pockets, I say pockets, that's probably unfair. There were some decent um, initiatives happening, but a lot of them in itself weren't talking to others. And then there was a huge amount of others that, that weren't. So I think you're right. What happened was the pandemic uh, created a massive spark and a catalyst to what was needed for many, many years. Yeah. I mean, we can go back to, to sock codes and sick codes and being just officially <laughs> recorded um, which I'm not going down that route today. No, don't get me no, wrong. No, no, no. But that's been, you know, discussed and needed for for decades. If you know, certainly in the last decade, it's been, you know, championed a lot by a number of associations to encourage associations to record their 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 employment and their results and and so on under those codes um, officially. Um, but this is bigger. This is this is a holistic overview to showcase the power of events. Yeah. Um, with a balance between the clarity of what we're about as you say we're a very convoluted joined uh, not so much joined up almost you know immature industry in a way where we just bolted on and bolted on and, and, and sectors of joined sectors as you say and the subsectors but um effectively we are all delivering amazing experiences and content to audiences yeah in a live environment and that is what binds us together and i'll tell you what the other thing that binds us together whether you're doing corporate audience or consumer audience whether you're sort of a rights holder, a promoter, um, whether you are delivering on behalf of a brand or a sports entity or a music entity or a private individual, we are all sharing the vast majority of the industry sectors are, are the production partners. And we all share them, whether they're freelance, 
AV companies, caterers, venues, talent, mm -hmm. infrastructure, marquees, I could go on. They often work across all the sectors, and that's the vast majority of organizations and people in this industry. So it's weird that we don't recognize that we're all part of something that is so interlinked, because yeah. perhaps often we're delivering to different audiences from a different agency or promoter or rights holder perspective. But the vast majority of the activation is shared with the larger sector supply chain um, from very small individual sole traderships and freelancers to, to, to larger organizations. So I just wanted to communicate that and remind people that, you know, if we actually work together, the power of what we've got, the thousands of businesses, you know, the tens and tens of billions of GDP, the million plus employed people, we don't even know what those numbers are. And that's the embarrassing thing for me. And that's the opportunity as well for mm. everybody to benefit from. So, yeah. So now the power event is all about showcasing, um, you know, exactly that. Um, and it's really about, you know, um, the recognition mm -hmm. uh, to, to external audiences and internally. It's about respecting it and it's about valuing it. So, you know, those sound three bold words, but, you know, the press, the media, the public generally through the media, and even that's, you could say, the government. Um, and I'll just make it very clear, the Power Events is a completely, um, you know, party agnostic, non-lobbying organisation. We'll leave that hard work to the associations who are a lot better at it and have a lot of great contacts across to the Treasury and Bays and DCMS. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're just trying to facilitate and help their work. But any external stakeholder or any internal event professional needs to understand they're part of a bigger entry because it helps them understand what they're part of, how they can develop their careers, their networks, their connections. Also, if we showcase in one comms website hub the power of events and create that map mm. of those seven sectors and that sort of chain, as I said, of, of sort of sports right holders to operators to the supply chain, um, new talent can really see how amazing events are as a career opportunity and the multiple different opportunities they've got to work in different genres different audiences different types of sectors and a variety of different skill sets that perhaps they didn't recognize were part of the events industry makeup so it's all about that sort of that very much that understanding and that respect and that 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 sort of value that we place in ourselves um and i think we haven't done ourselves a great service in the past um because we haven't had backed it up with the other main mission of us of one with the power of events, which is data. You know, yeah. if we can't succinctly say what each sector is worth and then come up with that big number, I mean, we tried uh, to do the, the the best of a bad a bad thing mm. a few years ago where we came up with this 84 billion, which was combining the best of numbers we had and one and a half million split between the consumer and business audiences as employers, employees, I should say. But it's not quite good enough. And so we just need to answer some very simple questions to back up the, the more sort of emotional and, and, and framework map of our industry in, in one place. So mm -hmm. we are aiming to do that. Uh, and we can get on to obviously how we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Day. And I'd scribbled here literally just a few seconds before you said that, you know, I, I've written here figures, question mark. We don't know. Just picking up on something that, that, that you said, which is that, you know, we don't we don't know embarrassingly what 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 the exact figures are. And like you said, we, we pulled certain figures based on what information we did have and and i was going to ask you is that is that a key ob objective of the yeah. organization go forward which you've clearly said that it is and and i yeah. wonder as well just as a sort of a, a a slight tangent to that i've always felt that across the wider industry there is a sometimes a disconnect between people who may 
not even consider themselves to work in the events industry, which may may sound strange, but I'm talking at the sort of the the scale of things in in your day to day hotels, you know, business conferences that are you know little conferences that are going into hotel facilities, and the events manager who helps to coordinate those. I see those sort of you know regional and you know very sort of provincial uh, event venues hosting stuff every day. And a lot of that is the bread and butter for me as a freelancer. I can go in as a yep. one-man freelancer with some AV equipment and some production experience and help support them and earn a good living at doing it. Um, but I know for a fact that some of the people that work in those venues wouldn't consider themselves to be in the events industry, if you ask them. And I kind of think how much um, information are we missing out on by by them not understanding and being fully aware of the fact that they are contributing to this bigger entity. You know, they will look at some of the stuff that's happening for the Queen's Jubilee, music festivals, huge scale trade shows and think, well, no, that's, that's way out of my league. That's not what we do. But it is. And it's really important that we know what they're doing and that they are uh, they they understand that they are contributing, even if it's in a small way, to a, a bigger industry. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, there are small community events, charity participation events, um, through to the big, you know, the largest events, perhaps you know, like perhaps you know, um, the London Marathon, mm. through to some of the largest festivals, some of the sort of tens of thousands of people that attend the large trade shows um, in Manchester or Glasgow or London or whatever, um, through to you know the the the, the, the sort of um, the music concerts you know the experiential activations and, and product launches that we do on the corporate brand side they're all delivering amazing live experiences content for, for a variety of audiences and most of the supply chain is exactly the say you know i've spoken to so many av companies and venues and freelancers over the last year or two a lot of them which have very brilliantly have become supporters of oneness one voice and hopefully now the power of events and they work across all the sectors i've spoken to a freelancer i think it was about a year ago they have worked at large-scale private events and weddings through to exhibitions a month later they were helping with a, a bespoke mass participation sports event they've worked at festivals um and they've done product launches in the uk and overseas for corporate brands and they all just see that as part of their events delivery sector job now that's not you know that that's not everybody but mm -hmm. most of the supplied um, chain and support partners who are effectively the heart the beating heart of our our event delivery um do feel that they're part of more than just one individual sector um I, it doesn't matter it doesn't really matter we can get torn up in the background and the past yeah. and the theory behind it what matters is if we don't have a showcase of somewhere to point people to just to learn the overview of our industry as we've defined it as best we can the seven sectors the makeup of it and the support organizations around it we're never going to basically get lots of things including the best talent attracted from other industries coming into our industry seeing the mm. scope of opportunity the talent coming out of universities and academia and colleges that probably are looking at the last two years going that's potentially the worst industry i could walk into because <laughs> it's been so scarred quite mm. the opposite in most sectors not all in most it's recovering brilliantly and it's adapted and it's evolving and it's even more fit for purpose than it was in the past and there's a real positivity generally. and optimism as well there is there's still a long way to go for some areas to be fair into 2023 but some areas are really flying and others will recover at a slower pace but are and we need to showcase and get that talent back because we all know how much of a, of, a, of a capacity and resource issue we have with with having unfortunately lost some brilliant talent and companies because of the, the, the COVID impact. But also, you know, the media and the government don't treat us with the respect that we deserve with the amount of employment, innovation, support for communities, physical and wealth, well-being, the charity events that we do. 
um, the, the largest, most watched, both on broadcast or, or social media, as well as live events. They're all backed up with the events industry expertise, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in sports or music or corporate or exhibitions or whatever. Um, you know, the ironic thing is the two big things that were focused on last year of G7 and COP, vast majority of that skill set was delivered by us. You've yep. got Platinum Jubilee that was on last night. You know, even go. in the credits, yeah. you could see some amazing companies that supported it. You've got the Commonwealth Games coming up. Um, you know, I met up with the London Marathon events guys a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, they are delivering some phenomenal stuff coming up later this year, as well as the likes of Ride London and, and Vitality, just a few Vitality event, event race in London a few weeks ago. Um, and they all feel in their own way that they're part of it. And the reason they, they think that is because they know that a massive crew behind them are the events industry. They may not consider at the top end that that's their prime sort of message, their sport or their music, but they're part of a wider network mm-hmm. and framework that basically enables them to activate. And that's really important. And it also it links back to the government and the media without that recognition of the scope and backed up by the proper credible data, they'll, they'll never stop um, treating us perhaps in a similar size and ilk as other comparative industries or even smaller industries that have better relations with government to support the associations to do that, as I said, is very important. And the media, I mean, God, the press that the events and Partygate and all that has had over the last <laughs> few years has been so damaging. But even yeah. before COVID, the media never really got us. They never understand our impact, as I say, on innovation, well-being, exports, employment. They just dream, deemed that sort of most events a bit of a jamboree, a bit of a jolly, whether you're in a suit or you're not, whether you're in a field or in a, in a, in a, in a building. And that's a little bit sad. And it's our half our own fault for not communicating it better um, and also not engaging with the media better. But I'll, most of the time, if you're not giving them the direct content and data to compare us to and, and bolster up more than just an emotional subjective mm. view on it, we sort of got to look at ourselves and wonder whether we've done ourselves a lot of favours in the past. Um, because the perception versus the reality couldn't be more stark. And the reality is we know we're delivering for the biggest brands, the biggest audience, the biggest music sporting events, biggest exhibitions, whatever it might be. We're world-class. We're the best in the world at this. Absolutely, you know? 100%. And why the hell then don't we have that respect and that understanding at both media and government level, yeah. but also then the talent that need to recognise that. They'll be part of so something so exciting going into the next decade. Yeah, and and you you're making my job easy today, Rick, because I've I've written stuff down and I've I've scribbled it. I put Jubilee. You know, once again we're showcasing the best. You know, this goes back to you know, any any major event in the UK, be it the Olympic Games ten years ago. You know, various uh, you know yeah. Queen's Jubilees over the over the last few decades as events and celebrations have got bigger and better understandably the longer longer that, that, that this particular monarch has, has been on the throne but like you said commonwealth games we have these things where every few years there seems to be a spotlight and, and a sort of a worldwide media attention on the uk because something is happening in this country and in, inevitably we showcase how to do it as best as it can possibly be done and i was watching the the, the jubilee celebration last night on the tv and i thought wow what a well coordinated brilliantly produced well delivered engaging piece of of television and event theater um yeah. and i thought exactly what you did you know how many thousands of people thousands of hours weeks months years of preparation and planning have gone into that because that would have been planned whilst everybody was in the thick of the pandemic people have been working furiously on pre-production and we must shout about it more so than once every few years when they come along 
But in the end of the day, the audience will only see the end product. And you never really see any of the events industry, people-wise anyway, mm. in an end product. Correct. Most, the vast majority is, is hidden because that's how brilliant mm. we are. We're sort of in the shadows, turning the cogs and doing all the back-end work. We know that 99.9% .9 of event management is planning and coordination and logistics and budgeting and meticulous health and safety approach and coordination of show calling and all that sort of great and creative innovative ideas. That all happens in the ethera. What everyone sees is the, the little shiny package at the end with a bow, probably with some celebs or well-known people on a stage that they would never, like I last night, was looking at the lighting and the staging, the coordination of, <laughs> yeah. of, of, the, of the calling, the, the coordinating thousands and hundreds of different performers and horses and God dogs and go on. I mean, you know, it, uh, my hat comes off to them, but us in the events industry would think about that. I'm not that sure many viewers in the general public or government media or whatever would be thinking of that. I'm just thinking it just happens. Well, it's about time people realised that we're the best in the world at something, and that's making that happen. I'd love um, to see the behind the scenes of last night. Oh, I'd love to have seen right? a 10-camera crew just standing next to some of the callers, some of the floor managers, some of the people yeah. who were in the wings, you know, telling people to get on stage now because bang that, that you know that second was, was being phenomenal. coordinated with you know 10 different lighting guys and 50 mm -hmm. camera people it's absolutely amazing it's a, it's the most brilliantly choreographed dance you'll ever see and you don't see it but if you don't expose it in in a very sort of objective way with data to back it up and numbers that's what most people resonate with you mm -hmm. know nice pictures and imagery are, are very important in half the story and that's what the, the, the new comms site that we're going to launch in the coming months will showcase. But then the research program, which is the balance of what we're also doing, which we can get onto in a minute with the universities mm. around the four nations, that'll back up all that really subjective content with the data, which will showcase what's behind the delivery of those amazing experiences. And if we balance those two together, the media will start, hopefully, if we get it right, understand just the depth and creativity married with research and and um, insight married with uh, outputs of trade you know delivery and exports and tax receipts mm. and so on boring stuff but incredibly important if you're going to get the message across of a grown-up industry mm -hmm. and more importantly than that the government only care about the latter you know <laughs> yeah. and we, we can help associations in their missions and their own research projects and support them with our with our research partnerships then as well as our own that holistic big numbers and so on you know mm -hmm. the, 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 we'll get on to the research in a minute i'm sure but then we are doing ourselves a lot more favors because all the ingredients are there we just haven't put them up into uh, a, a portal where the one place you can show sh you know point people to to discover a network through a map of our industry with those both imagery and data meshed together hopefully Mm. Well, you, you mentioned um, the, uh, three things effectively that, that we need we need to touch on, and and I know that yep. time is tight for you today, uh, Rick. But we, we right. will we will rattle through the universities research new comm site. Let's park new comm site for a bit because I'm sure that that will be a nice way to end things because then we can also direct people to the website and and to find out what's happening at the moment. So let's look at universities research. How how do those two things? Um, tie in together? Do they tie in together? Are they two separate entities in terms of your own objectives? Well, uh, uh, to put that in perspective, actually, I will mention the comms website because it's not up and running yet. I mean, okay. powerofevents.org is purely just a holding page. And on that holding page is the deck of our plan. So if you want to learn about this plan in more detail with the process of what we're going through, but ultimately that will showcase 
the map of the industry, be able to network through it, navigate through it, and anybody's either an existing event professional or a new event professional, an external stakeholder, be able to get this showcase. That's mission number one. The reason I mentioned that, which will come in the coming months, is then we're going to launch a microsite stroke app, which we encourage all event professionals to download so that when we need to talk and have two-way engagement, they ask us, how do I find out? Where do I network through? I want to learn more about and so on. We can help them and point them to the right areas. But the real function of the app is the research. Because if we can get thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and plus across the sectors, accessing the app, across the four nations, then when we form this university partnerships, which mm -hmm. we've contacted the top 10 uh, event faculties across the four nations, yep. um, we currently have conversations, very positive ones, almost there with um, signing on, on sort of a partnership memorandum of understanding, memorandum of understanding, which we sent out a week or so ago, yep. with um, one in Northern Ireland, two in Scotland, two in Cardiff, and five in England. And they're the top event faculties. There might be one or two others. We're just waiting to see mm -hmm. whether they recommend. But they will form a research partnership from an event faculty perspective. And we will then go out to all sorts of different grant funding opportunities like Innovate UK. We've had some brilliant conversations with them recently because we, in inverted commas, tick a lot of their measurement indicator boxes for funding, i.e. engaging new talent, digital platform. Uh, linking academia and industry together, showcasing a sector in its best light. I mean, that's everything what they're about. Um, so we're very excited about that. They'll we'll get hopefully funding to support the organization operation, but more importantly as well, the research side. And then ESRC, the Arts Council, British Academy, there's loads of grant application competitions, which these universities have had great success in something just like this, either individually or collaboratively in recent years. So we're very positive about combining us all together and pitching for those grant applications to support different research work packages. So those 10 universities will work alongside the power events and start answering these questions in a really robust, incredible way, mm -hmm. which then everybody can share and benefit in, whether you're an association, you're teaching students, you're trying to encourage more investment in your business, you're trying to be more infrastructure in your region or your city from an events perspective. Um, you know, generally communicating with media and so on, we'll have some robust data simply answering the question, what size are we, where do you work, in what sectors, what expertise, what's your background? You know, and for some organizations, what's your export value and what's your turnover? I mean, mm. we don't even have that. And yeah. if we can get somewhere close to that, then several other over time, you know, next year onwards, the research partnership momentum will look at sustainability, diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, regional impact, sector-specific impact, you know, whether it's, it's focusing on, you know, what's the, the, the benefit of the events industry to Manchester from a corporate events perspective, if you want to take it down several yeah. sort of, yeah. you know, sort of uh, channels. Examples. And the way that the research universities will help us is the way that they help design the questions and the, the drop-down opportunity of boxes to respond, literally as simple as possible on the app, with the way that they can slice and dice this this information for the benefit of different regions, different sectors, different uh, audiences. And if that all gets workable, then we start putting ourselves on a pedestal that is respected and understood and properly valued. And that's got to better for every event professional, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and, and interestingly, again, you may wildly disagree with me on this one, but, but certainly go back a few years ago, maybe when I started the podcast uh, for Event Industry News, maybe seven, eight years ago, 
I sense whenever you raise the subject of universities and event management degrees and things like that, there was a, there was a, almost like an old school snobbery mm -hmm. within the events totally industry of, oh, you can't teach somebody in an academic situation how to do our job. We've been grafting for years, you know, running miles of cable yeah. or erecting fences or putting trackway down or building stages. You can only learn on the job. And and I and I like to think and I hope that 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 sort of little bit of snobbery about whether or not you can learn the events industry in three years. We know you can't, but that little bit of snobbery hopefully is, is, is creeping out. And if you look at any other industry, major business industry, having the backing of academia, having universities doing research about a particular industry, you know, whether it be pharmaceutical or construction or whatever, that's seen as a really good thing to have that academic backup to what you're doing within day-to-day -day activity and well, i think that that's a great great link up that you guys are, appear to be pushing i totally agree whether it's the, the the academia and the universities have not properly engaged with the industry in the right way the courses haven't been practical enough and more theory i don't know but there's a lot of views out there which i think we're all aware of whether it's the fact the industry haven't taken the time to properly help shape the courses and engage properly with academia I don't know. Some have, some haven't. But generally, it's not good enough on both parts. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't think anyone's going to dispute that there's a lovely marriage made in heaven over the last couple of decades on that basis. Now, we're not going to start shaping better relationships and course design and so on in the short term. However, certainly a massive byproduct of this relationship on the research side should be, you know, major heads of major faculties and course leaders engaging more with industry leaders and all sorts of different le levels of, it, of industry, not just the leaders, but, you know, the individuals actually doing the hard graph, the work, the producers, you know, mm -hmm. the projectos, the, the logistics people, the creatives, the freelancers and so on, and learning more about what they're doing day to day, which they can filter back into the courses and the content that they're delivering to students and manage their expectations that they're not going to run Glastonbury next year having graduated, which is what most of them <laughs> yes. historically <laughs> yeah, may have yeah, been, exactly, you know, yeah. and, and the wider opportunities within the sector. And conversely, industry will have a, you know, look, we're all, oh, what's our number one mission here is, is certain perceived founders of businesses or leaders. It's got to be leaving the industry in a better place than you found it, right? And yeah. surely one of those legacies could be that if through this, by natural osmosis, universities and academics and course leaders understand better what the industry is about going forward. And my God, it's been disrupted and evolved and changed in the last two years more than it has in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Then that can filter through back into making courses more relevant, more attractive and attract the best talent from UK across four nations, as well as international students, which is a huge part, frankly, mm -hmm. of a lot of the event management course uh, makeup, which is brilliant. Um, that much more diverse backgrounds, the number of different student courses I've engaged with and done presentations. I'm a visiting fellow at Surrey, for example. Yeah. And when I've done webinars with them, it, it's frankly a, a hell of a lot more diverse and respectful um, to different backgrounds than perhaps the industry is generally at the moment. And that's something we can benefit and learn from and, and showcase going forward, um, creating a lot more future-proofed uh, and relevant um, an appropriate makeup of our industry from a talent, expertise, background perspective. Um, and that just really excites me as, as, as a sort of natural byproduct of the main research partnership that we, we were setting up. So, yeah, mm. totally agree with you on all fronts. No, I appreciate that. And I wasn't expecting you to, to you know, to come straight back with, a, I, I, I agree, you know, everybody's got a slight difference of opinion, but I do think that it is a, a symbiotic relationship in other industries between academia and day-to-day -day operations and what's happening in an industry. And I think that it, it is one that that clearly has a huge 
has huge room for growth in our own industry and and it really sounds like you guys are you know i suppose just this tip of the iceberg really this this initial consultation with those 10 universities that you know fingers crossed translates over time short medium and long term into uh into some real progress on that front and and just on that on that note you know please come on and, and, and keep us updated i know that you you know you're, you're pushed for time today but you know in terms of getting messages across and, and getting out to the wider industry you know event industry news is is a platform that that serves serves the whole of the events industry regardless of those sort of seven you know sectors that you've helped to to define through the organization um so so you know this is an open invite come on and, and tell us how things are progressing we'd love to hear from you as as this as this journey continues and i'm sure that people who tune into this will have will have their own feedback and i think before we wrap up rick it's really important let's just recap the the website because as you said it, it's a bit of a holding sort of site at the moment but that deck is on there i'm going to put the website on the screen for anybody who's watching the video version of this but if you're listening to the audio thepowerofevents.org is where you need to go look at that deck that, that rick explained is on there at the moment it's applicable to anybody regardless of uh, of what you do in the industry um it, it's obvious from talking to rick today that input is required from all aspects isn't it 100 if you want to email hello at thepowerofevents.org we'd love to hear your views we'd love to hear help we need help. We need people to join some action groups we've got across comms, content, digital, funding, research, and, and anyone. It's a completely inclusive and, and, and open welcome because this is not about me or Simon or anyone individually or any one organization. We're just trying to facilitate a growing mass movement that has huge impact for the benefit of everyone. That only works if mm. other people get involved, small, medium, and large businesses, individual freelance communities, and so on. Um, and just to your point, yes, the website is a holding page. We've got a, a digital agency being commissioned a few weeks ago to start working up the wireframe for a splash page, which we launched the next few months, and a new brand, an image and logo, which we launch hopefully in the next month or so. And then things, are, of course, I'll keep you updated. And again, yourself and Adam have been amazing with support over the last few years in a very sort of non-partisan way with other areas of the industry press. And thank you for that. And may that continue going forward because if everyone feels and adopts that mandate mm -hmm. then everyone's going to hear about this and the progression and journey of it over the coming months and, and hopefully support it well, well you're very welcome first of all and, and i think just looking at my notes from today you mentioned app download and getting that app out there and, and into the hands of people who can start inputting some of this data that we hope is going to have a real big impact very very quickly before we finish rick is there a time scale at the moment as to when you would like to have that app available and maybe that would be a good opportunity to get you back on the podcast you know hopefully later on this year when that app is ready to go and we can shout about it yeah I and mean, the time scales are pretty simple from my point of view we're hoping to get the university partners signed up in the next three or four weeks we've got uh, funding open at the moment with a hundred grand budget we've got almost half of that actually after a week of of launching which is amazing and we'll be continuing to encourage supporters and people that don't know us to, to, to just email us and say they're happy to support organizations are asking a minimum of 500 pounds it's quite a lot of giving more than that it's very difficult times though so you know if it's individual freelancers or someone who just want to give a few quid if they can spare it amazing don't worry if you can't i'm sure we can help in other ways the time scales for the brand and the splash base we launched is probably going to be early july um and then the main app and the main website with all the content are looking at around September. So that's where we're sort of pushing for that with the research, hopefully um, competition 
applications for Innovate UK and others happening in the background conclusively and hopefully start launching the research towards the end of the year. Well, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Well, well, I'll say now and I'll stick my neck out and say that we, we look forward to seeing you in uh, back on the podcast in sort of September time once the, the summer event season is, is done and dusted. Exactly. Although, as everybody will know, it's a, a 365 event season for anybody who <laughs> works in the industry. There's no yeah. such thing as just the summer season. Um, no. let, let, let's speak again in, uh, in September and uh, see where things are, Rick. It's been great to speak to you today. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, James. No problem. If you are watching this already on the eventindustrynews.com website, hello to you. Don't forget to have a little click around and look at some of the latest news features and supplements from all of those different sectors of the events industry that Rick has alluded to today. And of course, if you are already listening to this on the event, uh, on uh, one of your podcast platforms, uh, good afternoon to you. You can go over to the website and check out those latest news features and supplements. And if you're already there, you can find us on wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for the Event Industry News podcast. And if you've got anything that you would like to add to today's conversation relevant to what Rick's been talking about, uh, at Event News Blog is us on Twitter. You'll find us on all the other social media platforms. Please do feel free to have your say and let's find out what uh, maybe you'd like to see happening in the coming months. And uh, Rick, we'll speak to you again in September. It's been great to see you today. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks very much, guys. See you soon, everybody. Mm -hmm.